Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Just must be another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Hello, I'm your host, Nikki Dakota, joined by the whistling master, Mr. J. Todd Anderson. But first, I must say that you're not just someone in from the street. You've been the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers for 20 years. Other people, too, pay my bills. Yes. Like, there's some very interesting things. Look him up, by the way, on... Uh, online. Put in J. Todd Anderson. You'll find out uh, just what a cool friend to all the big stars he is. And also our friend, J. Todd, thanks for being here. It's always my pleasure, Nikki Secret Dakota Ring. Also, also friend to the big stars because they all owe him for how they look on the uh, nitrate film that does exist at the Library of Congress. He is our man at the Library of Congress. We call him friend and George Willeman. George, welcome. Golly, Bob, howdy. This, Hello. yes, <laughs> is no normal... Well, then none of them are. Edition of Filmically Perfect. This is indeed quite special. This is a. Uh, it's always special when we're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I worked very hard for this. Well, we uh, <laughs> we hit you every week with a different movie, but we have to take a break once in a while and uh, kind of uh, go into the weeds, uh, so they say, because there's plenty of movies out there to talk about, and uh, we're going to talk about the movies that we like, but there aren't. Don't qualify for the list. But they're still, they have something about them that's yeah, worthwhile. Yeah, today is not a league play day, you know. <laughs> this is like, you know, the ancillary race that you run to pick up money and stuff like that. Or, well, and oh. it's, it's a definite guilty pleasure, well, especially yeah. for me, because a lot of times I tell people I like this movie and they just kind of shake their head and walk away. And, you know, <laughs> if we had to drag it into, we had to drag it into a, into a board meeting and then we'd have to run it by all the stuffed shirts in there and then oh, they'd send it up the that. tube and then Budinsky would give us a bunch of well if you like you know pass a note to her maybe i'll say that film's okay because he's in love with well, nikki dakota but, you but know this week but this week budinsky's away he's in kansas for the annual meeting of the fussy people so uh we can get away with this but yeah. first before we proceed it's important to remind people of the very uh, criteria which these rules these films do not meet yeah these films do not meet these rules <laughs> Hey, um, a perfect movie, and the one that I'm going to talk about today is probably not perfect, but <laughs> it creates the world, the, the perfect films create the world they exist in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, a perfect film retains its meaning and entertainment value. And a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential or numerical order. Each film is perfect by its own little scale. And if you don't believe that, ask our man at the Library of Congress, George Willeman. No point in mentioning the other rules because I have neither heard of nor seen either of the movies you're going to be talking about today. And Aww. on that note... It's that poison pill rule number five. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say that um, for George, George, the, the movie that you have brought here, if I had to look at it just to read the title, I would have uh, just right off the bat failed. And exactly what is your movie today? My movie today... Mr. Willeman, what movie do you have for us? <laughs> your share. guilty pleasure is... Our, my, film, my film today <laughs> is actually uh, created by a director whom we have profiled on our show before, is the great John Borman. What a director, man. And he directed and, which, which other movies? Uh, the Deliverance. Oh, yeah. that guy. Deliverance was his movie. That's an amazing is, movie, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually the movie that he... 
did immediately after Deliverance. He also and did it's called Zardoz. Now, before you before you wonder about Mr. Borman, for those of you who don't know who Mr. Borman is, he did Excalibur, nineteen eighty one. Where the Heart is, nineteen ninety. Um, I'm looking for the Emerald Forest. Uh, the Emerald Forest was about 85. What a cool movie that was. So this man is a very prolific director. And um, anybody who writes dialogue or, or okays the dialogue, boy, you sure got a pretty mouth, is is in my <laughs> book, man. How many people can forget that line? I, I mean, I saw it when it was out, I do believe, and I have never it's forgotten. It's probably not, boy, you sure. I'm sure it's one of those, you know, kind of words that have been distorted through the lines have been distorted, but that's what. Generally, Pretty, people have yeah. fun. Okay, they, so Zardoz. Now, George, uh, did you see this originally in the theater? Uh, no, because I would have only been 12 years old, and it's rated R. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, tell us about it. Actually, a good friend of mine introduced me to it, oh, about 15 years ago or so, and then it promptly vanished again, and it's only recently become available on DVD, probably because um, you know someone running 20th Century Fox Home Video wasn't paying attention and got this one slipped through. Um, <laughs> but basically, um, you know, here's John Borman. He's riding high from Deliverance because it was very highly regarded. And, and so he wrote and directed this film and actually spent a lot of his own money making it. Went back to England, shot it over there, shot some of it actually in his own backyard. Um, no, that just can't be good. Well, you're dealing with John Borman here. I mean, this right. is no ordinary director. And, and he managed to get, which seems strange to us now, especially when you see it, he got one of the biggest stars of the time to be in it, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. At this time, Sean Connery had quit being James Bond for the second time and was very desperate to get work in something else, some other kind of movie. So he goes from being the posh, well-dressed, royal-coiffed James Bond to playing a character named Zed, Zed, okay. English word for the letter Z. Sure. And uh, and his costume is basically a a large red diaper (laughs) and a mask. Man, I'm getting excited about this picture. (laughs) I'm getting very excited about this picture. James Bond in a diaper. Very long ponytail, but yes. And and wow, he's about as hairy as an old brush. Um, (laughs) Pretty scary, actually. And oh yes, and a huge scary hairy, uh, huge mustache. Like one of those big biker mustaches. How bizarre. You would think that there would have at least been some still that had circulated with this picture, because that just sounds fantastic. Oh, there are. I mean, yeah. you, look, you look up anyone, you know, go to Google and Google Zardoz, and you'll have more pictures than you ever want to see of this movie. Z-A-R-D-O-Z. It is George Willeman's guilty pleasure. Do you want to give us just a lightning-fast rundown of the action? <laughs> lightning-fast, George. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, Zardoz takes place in the year 2293. The whole world has fallen apart. There's a group who have sequestered themselves in an area called the Vortex, and they have become immortal. They call themselves the Eternals. But, but things have gone so bad for them. All the men are impotent. All the women are running the place. Uh, they turn into these creatures called apathetics, which are just kind of boring people who don't move, or they go nuts and become uh, and actually grow old, but they still aren't, aren't able to die. So they've sort of worked out this convoluted plan to bring in one of the outlanders, which is who Zed is, and Zed's job is to basically ride a horse and kill people. Wow, what? <laughs> With a diaper and a hairy back? They have a, they have a, they have a <laughs> god that they worship in the Outlands who's called Zardoz, who basically appears to them as this enormous stone head floating through the, floating through the sky that comes down and lands and spews out guns through its mouth 
and orders the uh, Zed and his other people to, to kill the, uh, the outlanders to keep them from breeding. Wow, so, but, I mean, but, if that doesn't, if that's not compelling, I just don't know. <laughs> I'm getting well, pretty darn excited right now. At, at some point, at some point, uh, this mysterious person uh, gives Zed sort of a key to, to learning, to where uh, Zed learns how to read and finds out what happened to the Earth, how the Earth has ended up the way it has, and he wants to sneak into the vortex to figure out what the heck is going on. And, uh, and that's what he manages to do, but not before killing the uh, guy, or at least he thinks he kills him, killing the guy who's pretending to be Zardoz. Uh, so once he's in the vortex, the people there sort of take him in, and they want to figure out how he got there, what he is, and they kind of think that he might be the key to solving this uh, immortality problem and allowing them to die once and for all because they're all so bored of living. And this all predates Scientology? <laughs> It was around. Yeah, yeah. But George, you know, I wonder, involved. it's got quotes in here, but I can't even say these quotes on the radio. I'm afraid there's an FCC rule. Yeah, let's not tempt that. that. So. I, mean, I was just saying, look, you know, wow. What is oh, you mean the one there? about the gun? <laughs> yeah. Look up on your IM Internet Movie Database. Yeah, yeah. I actually was going to make a sound bite of Zardoz's first words, but then like I don't think you, we're I allowed to do thought. that. Yeah, and and yes, we're so careful and gentle here. Yeah. So okay. Well, but, I mean, the, the whole fi- the film is just the first time you see it, and the first time I saw it, I'm like, this is ludicrous. And then when I watched it again, you know, after many times what last would night, make I you said, watch it this again? really is ludicrous. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why. But that's why it's a, not only guilty but shameful pleasure. Here's a, here's a quote that we can use. I think what I think. I hate you all. I hate you all. I hate you all, including me. Yeah. Really? Is that actually there? <laughs> That was a great quote. I think that was that was John Borman um, <laughs> after they were finished shooting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a guilty pleasure indeed. In fact, this is our, as a matter of fact, a very special second edition of Guilty Pleasures on Filmically Perfect here. So George has chosen. A, 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 it's fair to say obscure, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's pretty obscure. Yeah, nineteen seventy. But it's looking a, better all the time. Some of these stills are. are it is quite a. Over. It's become quite a cult movie and. And it is so overlayered with philosophy and psychology and all sorts of other bizarre things. There are parts of it that are extremely embarrassing for the actor and the viewer. After but, uh, if you know. can make it all the way through it, the ending—I I really like the ending of it. So that's and, what got, um, I was wondering. I, huh? Yeah, I was wondering of it. You know, since the first time you did sort of a nonplus, what was it? What nugget? What kernel of that movie made, brought you back? I don't know. I think it's just sort of the fascinating, um, the fascinating way. That it's sort of a lot of what Borman says in it is very much a truism that sort of technology is turning us all into clods. It's always been kind of like we're that losing too, our interest you know? in life. Of I'll give you that. Because you know, Shannery's care or Shannery, Con, Con, Con <laughs> I like it. Sort of like Brangelina. Con Shannery is like he's like Con the only Shonery. character in it who's really alive. Well, you know the Emerald uh, Force. And then the, the exotic and beautiful Charlotte Rampling in this movie, uh, she's one of the main reasons, for guys anyways, to watch this movie. Oh, hey. um, she is, of course, repulsed by him, but fascinated. And, and you know, Isn't after all the fighting, the they end up together. But uh, they were sort of from, from him, excuse me. What That's was that? All... <laughs> That's all right. Um, um, so... 
All right, your guilty pleasure is Zardon, nineteen seventy four. It is. Uh, I have to say, I'm I'm compelled. I, I would I would seek it out. I'm from curious. What we just said this is filmically perfect, and we're taking a moment to look at films that don't quite meet the perfect movie criteria, but that are somehow uh, magnetic and draw us to watch them. So it's then my turn to step up, and I don't know. Let's uh, put our heads together here and think. Is this the first time that we will have spoken of a movie that has the word love in the title? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> no, I think it's the last time we're going to have a movie with the word love in the title. I have chosen. Not really. As, as my guilty pleasure, the, uh, I think it's a, uh, what, 2003 film, Love Actually. I I have long arms, Jay Todd. I can reach you from here. Uh, it is called Love Actually, directed by Richard Curtis, who's, uh, believe me, I don't necessarily know, uh, I'm no student of his work, but he's a British act, uh, oh, director, uh, I'm guessing. Richard, yeah, he works a lot with um, um, uh, the Rowan Atkinson. Well, he makes a cameo, which is Mr. Bean, in case you don't know. Right, and I, I think that's, yeah, that's where they got together was on Mr. Bean, and I think possibly also on the Black Adder series. Oh, really? Well, then, see, now I love the movie even more now. Okay, so the, it's called Love Actually, and it is uh, an ensemble, sort of. It's like a cast of thousands. It's like Up With People. Yes, there's so many storylines that all have to deal with, and they uh, they they interweave several times, and there's really cool reveals throughout how actually these people do know one another. But it starts out at Heathrow Airport, and 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 it's Hugh Grant doing a voiceover and talking about how. Um, that, you know, if, if I'm to believe all what people say, the world is a dark and frightening place. But, you know, then I always remind myself of the arrivals uh, bay at, at Heathrow Airport. And um, and there's actually, there's quite a bit of love. And, and you know, the calls that were placed from the 9-11 planes, um, they were not ha- calls of revenge and hatred and, and, and vengeance. They were calls of love and expressions. And that if you look around, love actually is everywhere. And so then... You're introduced to the movie's title, and it's called Love Actually. Yes, Jay Todd. Oh, no, I was just going to add that uh, one of the working titles uh, is... <laughs> Don't you say. Is Love Actually is All Around. That was the original title. It's taken oh, okay. from the Trog song, Love is All Around, written by the Trog's oh. lead singer, Reg Presley. Oh, song suddenly is, you're an expert on The song Love is Actually. featured in this film, and <laughs> in the very beginning, the lyrics are changed by Bill Nye's character, who turns it into a Christmas song. Oh, it's yeah, awesome. and, you're, and you're lucky that we're on the radio so they can't see you reading that off your computer. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. It is so much fun. Uh, just this from, from this. Well, actually, and not necessarily all fun, but the beauty of this movie, and the thing, I've watched it several times, um, is that it shows the sort of the, the, the spectrum, the, 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 the facets, both tragic and quite rewarding aspects of human love. Yes. And you know, there's a car chase in it. There's a (laughs) scene where, there's a scene where Chris Marshall's character, Colin accidentally insults the caterer's food to her face. And this was originally written as a scene for Hugh Grant's character uh, in Four Weddings and a Funeral, 1994. Oh, is that right? But it was cut out from that You're reading that. Of course I'm reading. I had never seen this movie. Well, then let me tell you about this movie. But I'm interested, Nikki. I really am. Let me tell you about this. It has the word love in it. I'm all here. How about you, George? Are you... you, 
Are you in for this love kind of campaign here? Well, yeah. I mean, The Loved One is one of my favorite movies. That is a fantastic movie, and it's oh, on our we, list. But we have not reviewed that yet, so I do get to have the special honor of having the first movie on Filmically Perfect with the word love in the title, correct? Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, what I'd like to say about this film is that it is rewarding every time you watch it. One watch through, much like, what's that, Zardoz? Doesn't quite get it. You get something else every time through, and it is just absolutely breathtaking. So you're saying if you had your own list, Nikki Dakota, this would be on your perfect film list, right? No, no, not by the rules. Without question. No, no, no. I'm saying if you have your own, you know, um, it's a movie that I'm drawn to again and again. Although I lend it to you for a really long time, and you never even watched it. So I watched the other (laughs) movie. <laughs> Down with love. <laughs> I was tortured and I Which watched Which next that. guilty pleasure we will. Love. I'm an expert in that movie. That's like somebody who watched Pillow Talk too many times. <laughs> Honestly, George, I was ready for her, but she does love actually on us here. Yeah. So. No, I just I can't say it's a bad film. No, no, no. If I want, I'll, I will grant you that I'm um, certainly not according to um, uh, the filmically perfect. But if rules. you put it in your own world, would you consider it a perfect movie? Well, in Nikki world, I mean, your yeah. I mean, to you, it it goes on your list. We tell people all the time, although our rules don't work for them they should have their own rules and they should have their own list of perfect movies we encourage them to to talk like what you're talking about well that you could watch this movie over and over again well it sounds like it's moving into perfection in your world before i met you guys i would have i guess if asked called it that but i've come to see things differently since meeting the film guys so um the thing about it is that there's a couple of hokey things and kind of a that suspension of belief busters where you you're kind of like oh well no that wouldn't happen but um it sounds like it hits in rule four because it still has its meaning for you without you can, question without you know, question i love a rule three movie. right george yeah definitely. yeah despite it, cultural changes and i think that will go, definitely man. be true i thought about that it, it it in some respects creates the world but i don't think quite sustains it but definitely on rule three there's yeah, gonna be it still has beings. meaning for you yeah. that's what's important you know and this is this movie is so so human I, I you know despite the fact that i don't quite think it's perfect i would recommend this to any and everyone it is so such a lovely journey um it, and and it's very emotional i'm sure that's there you go, folks, and you got two blowhard middle-aged guys here <laughs> yakking about movies. You finally got a woman's opinion on a movie. No, um, I love it. I love it. It's uh, it's, it's exceptional, and it's there you definitely go. Love Actually is is Nikki Dakota's um, movie, and this is her extra special thing. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's There's a few movies that I would guilty pleasure, to. man. This is Love Actually for Nikki Dakota, without question. Yeah, I will. I'll put it on my Netflix, uh, my Netflix queue, so that it comes uh, right after uh, Zombie Chicks. From uh, Planet. <laughs> Here, I was all excited. I was like, "Oh, George is going to watch it." No, I, no, actually, I will. I, I promise, I will. I it's think very Rachel good. Probably really like. It. I think so. I think it's a there's a particular resonance for the 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 lady the lady persuasions among the humans, but also I think there's something there for everyone. Truly, truly, this is the uh, official second edition of Guilty Pleasures yes. on film. We're talking about perfect. movies that aren't on our list, but our still. Vaunted- perfect movie list yeah but still somehow have that something that uh, that draws you near so um to to, to create our little uh, our little uh, uh, trifecta here i'm not even quite sure i know what that word means but um uh to round out our three it is jay todd who brings a film that yes uh, when we're not looking at uh um how to build car movies or army hygiene movies <laughs> or you know because we have a vast collect george has a vast collection of crazy crazy movies we're going to get a little bit closer to the center and uh talk about movies that probably you've seen the movie that i have picked is called vanishing point um and that's 1971 not ringing a bell 
Well, a lot of people I'm sure out there have seen this movie real late at night. They just don't recognize it. And what it is, it's a white Dodge Challenger who just plummets across the Southwest at blinding speed or as fast as it will go. And it has the notable stars of Barry Newman, who was pretty big back in those days in the 70s, and and Cleavon Little, who was one of my absolutely all-time favorite actors. And you were talking um, about that, and he played some notable... He was a sheriff in Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And he was just so smooth and so good all the time. That guy, I don't think he ever, ever missed a step. He was just... He's one of those gifted, gifted actors. Cleveland Steady, Little. constant. Not to say that Barry Newman is bad, but, you know, Barry Newman is this driven character in this movie. Um, and it has a lot of imperfections. This movie is filled with imperfections about what time they're supposed to arrive... <laughs> with the drugs, and then he says, well, he's got to do it the next day. And none of that stuff makes any sense from a plot line. But what does make sense is that he's tearing down the highway in this Dodge Challenger as fast as he can go to popped up on speed to deliver uh, the drugs. I did take out. a sneak peek. You found the trailer, and I got a chance to it's look cool. at you can that. You go on the and YouTube and find a Vanishing Point, the trailer. Very high octane. Yeah, they want to get him and put him away, but they got to catch him first. <laughs> you know, that's... Well, and the interesting thing, as you were saying about Cleavon Little, is that he is sort of like, he becomes like Barry Newman, whose character is Kowalski, which, of course, if you think back in uh, Streetcar Named Desire, Brando's yeah. character is named Kowalski also. Oh. A lot of really neat, neat things in this is why he's barreling down the highway, avoiding all the police. The police are trying to check, catch him, and he's going as fast as he can go in this Dodge Challenger. And you see Cleavon Little, who plays this, I think he's blind. He's blind. He's super soul. He's blind super, DJ. Yeah and, he's, yeah, and he's talking him down the highway. Let's all get yep. together and let's oh, all guide him. Oh, there's a DJ in he's this? He's a DJ, yeah. And, and he brings in choirs and Delaney and Bonnie, the... Uh, group from the 60s do a lot of the music sweet, in this movie. Sweet, roots, blues. And it's uh, one of the first movies to use, you know, uh, that kind of music behind the scenario. And one of the things that I'm always attracted to in this movie is the cinematic effect of a wide open um, desert and a long highway. They just, these are time honored shots to, to be believed sometime. The way this car is just, that's why they call it Vanishing Point, because it's as far as you can see, as far as you can throw it. Now, if you'll that's notice, right. when you like look down the road and it looks like the two sides of the road meet at a point, that's yeah. a vanishing point. It's vanishing point. It's what right, it's an everybody, art term, which you know quite a lot about. Well, it's, it's it's always perspective is your boss when you're when you're doing deep shots. Now, if you are a fan of Joel and Ethan's work, the Coen Brothers' work, you'll notice that they they go very deep in their shots. The throw is always long and down the middle. It's never off to the side. They always go for the longest throw that they can get many times. And No Country for Old Men is a good example of using that uh, using that uh, topography. Is that how you say it, George? Um, topography of the, of the, like the, um, the desert or whatever. Yeah. So it, what effect does that have? And forgive my ignorance. So, so throwing, you say throwing that long. It's deep. And the, and, the, and the object, what we're dealing with, comes into the lens. So a lot of things can happen between when you first see it and when it's in the lens. Ah. Um, there's a lot of cheater time-honored shots like in uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia where he's riding in, but they cut away from it several times. But the idea is there. It's the time-honored. And this Challenger, what I really like about it is in the movie business, cars always have to be sped up because they're never fast enough. You'll notice that you'll see a car cranking around a turn. It's been sped up, you know, uh, mechanically through, you know, pro- post-process or as a camera. Right, or, and, yes. Or and and cars are never, ever fast enough. I've seen race movies um, winning Paul Newman. They speed the race cars up. 
in this movie, they don't speed the car up very much. And some of the greatest car stunts I've ever seen in this movie. And it has this surrealistic quality and this existential quality in the beginning where they, they have it, they play the ending first, where he's getting ready to charge through these, these two bulldozers which have blocked him. Right. You know, and he turns around and he sits there and he thinks, methodically thinks. And you have no idea what in the heck is going on here. What's he thinking about? And he's looking at these bulldozers and he's looking between the blades. They're trying to stop him. And then they cut to the beginning of the film. They play the whole scenario out. And one of the, well, spoiler alert. Oh, yes. One uh, of yeah, the you got the, it. Yeah. Do I George spoiler alert? Well, I, uh, one of the, ah. yeah. Here comes Bud Oh. Bud. No. Okay. We got it, Bud. Clean up your glass on the way out. Um, anyway, he doesn't survive. I mean, he just drives into these bulldozers and explodes. Well, that really is a spoiler alert. But, that is, now, that movie recall, is officially spoiled. If I recall, when they go to examine the wreckage, he's not in it. I can't remember. Do you remember Ooh, that? No, see, There's no, two there versions of this main. There's an English version and an American version. Why? The English version has the naked girl in it. Um, oh, right, yeah. There's a there naked girl on a motorcycle. Where he picks her up, and she's like... The doppelganger who's, you know, because he knows he's, he just, there's another movie that George and I really love. It is called Dead on Arrival. And um, this guy knows he's going to die. And he's trying to figure out how he's being killed. Right, George? That's right. He, he finds he's been poisoned. He's going to die. And then he oh. spends the next day figuring out who did it. It's a, just a magnificent picture. What a great premise. It is, it's on our list. But Barry Newman here in this movie just decides he's going to die, but he's going to do it with so much style that we're going to remember it 30 or 40 kind of like years Thelma later. like Thelma and Louise way before. It was before right. Thelma and Louise. Actually, well, I yeah. take back that it must have been something else I was thinking of because the synopsis I just looked at, he does crash his car and dies in the fire. Wow. Wow. Well, regardless, still... the, the way this movie is laid out with this format, and then... These these beautiful time honored shots of this this uh, all the Dodge guys out there. I'm a car guy. All the Mopar <laughs> guys love this movie because this Challenger just takes no prisoners. Going down the cops chase him and he gets all around them and everything. They do everything to stop him. And he's a driven man. He's got this look in his face. He's got the he's got he's on pills and he's looking down the vanishing point and he's you know hurry hurry sundown. You know he's going to die but he's going to do it with so much flair. And none of the logistics they put in the movie makes any sense whatsoever. It, none of the timelines match up or anything. It's just kind odd but it goes um, so quickly it doesn't matter no yeah, yeah it's just just a wonderful it's one of film. wonderful adrenaline ride yes and it's a classic movie from the 70s man it's all about that easy rider kind of generation um when you say George, what, I was going to say oh, yeah. Easy Rider, but I mean because and also the way, as you described, the use of music, Easy Rider. And the Cleveland little guy is this guy who's who's guiding him. He's this blind black man who's um, at, like Wolfman Jack in American Graffiti. It's such a great yeah. technique, he's isn't talking, it? Talking, he says, "Go down and meet him," and then he helps them trick the cops and everything. But and then they come in, and beat up Cleveland, right, George? They beat him I up. I believe and, so. Yes, and, I think and they, yeah, they, they figure out that he's he's got a police scanner, so he's given. Kowalski, the heads up anytime something's going, going and the, coming down in his. The really famous ball headed actor from 12 O'Clock High. Telly Savalas. No, 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 no. He's. Uh, Dean Jagger. Ha! 
Dean Jagger. Yeah, I just would Very famous know actor. that guy uh, from anywhere else. But here's just the deal. That's the beauty of Filmically Perfect on WYSO. <laughs> Not every film is actually perfect in every way, but still there are some that are worth uh, casting a glance upon. On that note, gentlemen, we are nearly out of time. But I do want to remind everyone, we talked about Zardas from 1974. Yes, that so is I'm, George's movie. So George, That's mine right. was, and I do, again, I'll just say it, the first movie with love in the title. Yes, the chick it's perfect it for Nikki, and that's what's important. <laughs> it is beautiful. It gives her meaning. It still has meaning, and it still is very special to I her. I would love to hear your feedback on that, by the way, and I'll get back to that in a minute. And we wrapped with Vanishing Point from 1971. Yeah, wonderful movie. Guilty pleasures, movies that aren't quite perfect, but still worth taking a look at. And um, we will be back with uh, another perfect movie next time around, but I would love to hear your thoughts on the movies that uh, Jay Todd and George brought on Love Actually. If you've seen it, let us know. Write to us. Vanishing Point, man. I know a lot of you people... Uh, you know, it's one of those movies. Don't try this at home. Uh, well, know? yeah. Well, I mean, because we know how it ends. Uh, it's Film Guys at PerfectMovie.net. That's Film Guys at PerfectMovie.net. Always happy to hear from you. You can catch us in so many portals on the internet. Check us out at NPR.org. We are at iTunes. You can go direct to the site, yes, PerfectMovie.net, or you can find us right here at home at WYSO.org. We're almost out. Jay Todd, thank you. You're welcome. George Willeman, next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.